Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Apostle Kathy L. Ali. Wow, it's bright up here. You guys ready? Today is a new day. Today, I will be transformed by the presence of God by the power of God and by the word of God to never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, you be seated. Yeah, give him a hand clap. I'm pretty excited about today. His presence has been amazing. Um. I had fasted <clears throat> this week, and I fasted for particular things. You know how you do. You fa- you're like, okay, this is what I felt led. And the interesting thing about it was um, it was during the conference, and I never like just fast for the sake of fasting. I, I have to feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me into a fast, and otherwise it's a wreck. I mean, I'm just like, all I can think about is eating the whole entire time, and then I'll pretend like I forgot that I was fasting and grab something, and I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I was fasting. <laughs> oh. So there has to be a grace for it. And uh, so I felt like I was supposed to go on this fast, and I honestly, I forgot about it. And I even wrote it down in my notes. And then I got a random um, Facebook message from somebody that I have no idea who they are. And um, all of a sudden, it, it says in there that um, I really feel like you're supposed to fast because there's breakthrough for you and for your family. And I was like, oh, that's right, I was supposed to fast. And I thought, talk about confirmation. So I did, and you know how when you fast, you expect to get that breakthrough like right away? Well, it's still in process, but I know that it's coming, amen? So let's just give God praise for that. I know it's coming. <clears throat> I was standing down there, and the presence of God was just so strong, and I heard him say, can you love like I love? And I was like, I don't know. And I I told him, I said, I don't know if I can. And so we just continued to have this conversation. And then I continued to worship. And um, all of a sudden, I hear his still small voice. And he says, yes, you can. And so I'm like, so you know what that means? I'm going to be challenged to be able to love the way he loves. And he loves us unconditionally. He loves us at our worst, and he loves us at our best, and everything in between. Amen? So um, I guess I'm getting more grace. And the fun thing about it is I realized that I had fasted for five days till five o'clock. So I fasted breakfast and lunch, and then I would have dinner, which it's actually the hardest. It's easier to just fast the whole entire thing. But that's what I felt led I was supposed to do. So five days till five o'clock, and it dawned on me on Friday. I was like, five, five, double grace. So more grace for me, yay. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about, we'll see how I can tie all of this in, because uh, there's a couple of things that the Holy Spirit had put on my heart, and one of them is like our thoughts and what we think And one of the things I heard him say is that we need to quit um, listening to ourselves and start speaking to ourselves. 
Because often we're, we're so quiet and we allow our minds to just ramble on. And that's what we're listening to. And he says, quit listening to yourself and start speaking to yourself. And I thought, wow, that's a good word. So I'm standing down there and I'm like, God, I thank you that I am redeemed. I thank you that I am saved. I thank you that I am anointed. I thank you that I am your child. I thank you that you call me your beloved. I thank you that uh, you, you look at me and you say that I am good. I thank you that I am full of your presence. I thank you, God, that, that I am love, that I walk in love. I thank you that I am refreshed. I thank you that I am renewed. I thank you that I am revived. I thank you that I am redeemed. I thank you for all the fact that I am not in fear. I thank you that I have courage. I thank you, God, that I am the head and not the tail, that I am above and not beneath. And I just began to just say these declarations about who I am. I started speaking to myself instead of listening to myself. Amen? And in doing this um, and practicing this, I thought, you know... God, we, we think too lowly of ourselves than we ought. But then I also realized that in doing that, it really caused me to draw closer to the Holy Spirit and closer to the heart of God. And so um, I'm going to kind of be all over the place a little bit. But then on, on Friday, I was given, oh, thank you everyone who gave um, pastor appreciation gifts and cards and even of your finances. Thank you so much. We appreciate it very, very much. And uh, one of the things I was given was a massage. So um, I was def- definitely needing it um, through having moved and packing boxes and unloading boxes and then um, just the soreness of my muscles from working out at Orange Theory, which is totally crazy. Um, and so it was, it was, yeah, it is hell on earth. And um, so I'm getting a massage and I'm like, I'm going to take this time to hear you, Lord. You know, I'm going to be still and I'm just laying here. And I heard these three words, are you ready? And then he led me to the 10 virgins. So I want us to start and I want us to, I want to talk to you a little bit about what I feel like is on the heart of God. And how many of you have been saved for, let's say, more than 20 years? Raise your hand. Okay, so we're in the group of people that it was always talked about when I got saved that Jesus was coming at any moment. And I would hear it over and over again, that Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And I was like, I would live like, oh my gosh, you know, should I just blow my money? I mean, if it's going to come, you know. <laughs> I was like, might as well just give it all away. He's going to be coming tomorrow. But I, I really did live like in that season of anticipation that at any moment, he was coming. And then year in, year out, year in, year out, that kind of started to wane. The, the excitement or the expectation. It was almost like the expectation of his coming switched from his, him coming during my lifetime to me just going to be with him. And it, so it became a different type of um, walk in a sense. And uh, so I'm going to start with Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. 
He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently, vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. One of the important things in being a true follower of Jesus Christ is that we hear and obey. And um, when we hear his voice and we obey his voice, then we are likened to a house that has a deep-rooted foundation that no matter what obstacles, what storms you face in life, that you're able to continue to stand. Are you listening to me? I know a pastor um, and his wife who recently, their house, it didn't burn to the ground, but it was on fire and it burned terribly. And um, then they drove by, they're not able to live in it, obviously. They drove by and and a tree had fallen on the roof of it. And it was just like... And, and so I, I messaged her, and um, I actually had done a conference with her at Kingdom Life. And I asked her, I said, how are you doing, you know, th- that kind of a thing. And the, her comment was, I'm just grateful that I have my husband, myself, and my son. And my thought is, there is a woman whose foundation runs deep. She must be one that hears and obeys. Are you listening to me? And that's how we get a deep-rooted foundation um, I was talking to someone the other day, and um, I said, you know, it's really important that when we want to have a victorious type of lifestyle, one that's founded and rooted upon the Word of God, that we're willing to be teachable, we're willing to be humble, we're willing to be submitted to, the, to what he is saying, and that we have to act according to what the Word of God says. And again, it's not according to what, the way we grew up. Are you listening? It's not about how you grew up. It's not, it's not even what it's like to live in North America. God is not North American. He's not Canadian. He's not African. He is God. He created all of us. Are you listening to me? So we live our life according to the blueprint of the word of God. And this person said, well, I don't want to be teachable. And I said, then you're not a disciple of Christ. If you say that you are not teachable, then you're not a disciple of Christ. You're just not. And so turn with me. Um, to Matthew 25, verse 1. And I, this is really like a, yeah, this is a hard, like this is a word that I'm hoping will penetrate into our hearts. Um, because in Second Peter, I'm going to just quote this real quick. Chapter 3, it says, Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. And so a lot of people grow weary when they don't see the fact that Jesus has has come back. They're like, oh, well, you know, people have been saying this for how many years? But what happens if we actually lived as though today could be the day that Jesus shows up? It says we don't know the day nor the hour. So people can like pretend like they know that, well, I don't think everybody's heard the word of God. How do you really know that? You don't know that. There are angels that are out ministering on behalf of who God is. And so we should live every moment as though Jesus is coming back. So verse one says, 
Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took their oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, and behold, the bridegroom is coming out to meet them. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are, are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest we should not, there should not be enough for us and for you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him, and in the wedding, went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So I want to just kind of pull this apart a little bit. Um, Many of us have been to... Almost probably everybody here has been to a wedding. Haven't you been to a wedding? And it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, you, you go into a wedding and, and there's such an expectation of like, wow, this is like two people that are, that are, that are making covenant with one another. And um, they're, I'm sure they're both looking at each other thinking, you know, what their future is going to be like. And there's all these expectations that are going on. And there's this an excitement that you get to watch the bride and the bridegroom get married. And, and, this is even, I mean, this doesn't even compare to, to that. This is like way beyond that. I mean, that's like, that's a, a beautiful thing, the weddings that we have here. This is like way beyond that. In the Middle East during this time, this is what they would do. So the bridegroom would, be, would come in from another city, and he would come in to go to the bride's house. And so the, the, the virgins were basically, they were like the 10 bridesmaids, okay? And so they were, their responsibility was to wait and hear the voice that the bridegroom was coming. And as soon as they heard that the bridegroom was coming, they were to quickly grab their lamps and trim them. And to trim them, that means that they would cut off the wick, any of the black part of the wick so that the fire would burn evenly. And then the next thing that they would do is they would pull the wick out so that it it, it would stick out um, higher so that the flame would be brighter. And so that they they would pull that out, they they would make sure that the flame was bright, and then they would fill the lamp with oil all the way up to make sure that there would be enough oil in the lamp so that the lamp would not burn out. And what happened here is it says that the bridegroom was delayed. Many of us feel like Jesus has been delayed. So we look and it's like the bridegroom has been delayed. So they decide that they're going to go to sleep. The five wise virgins are aware of the fact that he could come at any moment. And they want to make sure that if he comes at the midnight hour, that they're going to have, which is what he did, they're going to have enough oil in their lamp so that they're able to light up the pathway because there's, a, there, there's going to be a pathway that they have to light up that goes into the bride's house because once they get into the bride's house, then there's going to be festivities uh, for a whole week before the wedding ever takes place. 
So their responsibility was to usher in the bridegroom and they would actually meet the bridegroom and the bridegroom would then allow them to come in. And then after that, we see that the door is shut. So they're ready. The five, five virgins are completely ready. They've got their lamps. They've got their oil. They, they know that at any moment um, that, that they could hear the sound. And I'm sure that even though they were sleeping, they were still attentive, obviously, to be able to hear the yell that the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. And so then the other five, they're, they're thinking, well, you know, maybe we could just get oil from them. You know, I'm just, we, we can just borrow it from them. I'm tired. And even if he, I mean, if he comes, maybe it'll be close enough to daylight where we won't need much oil. So I'll get around to it. I'm not going to be concerned with it right now. At some point, I'm going to get my oil. I'm sure that I'll have enough time. Everything will work out and it'll, it'll be fine. I'm just not going to be concerned with it right now. I have other things that I'm wanting to do. And the first thing I want to do is go to sleep. And so we have the five foolish. And when, when you look at this picture of this, is that we see the bridegroom as being Jesus, right? And we know that the, that the five um, foolish and the five wise actually represent believers. And so the thing of it is, is that five of them are ready. Five of them are not and notice, too, that the lamps that they're carrying are not lamps that they borrowed from somebody else. They're not rentals. They're their own lamps. And one of the things the Lord spoke to me in reading this is that we are responsible to trim our own wick. We're responsible to keep our own oil in our own lamp and to keep it lit at all times. My relationship with Jesus cannot be through somebody else. And the five foolish are trying to ride the coattails of the five wise. And you, in the church, there are, uh, there are many people who believe that they're saved, but don't have any fruit of their salvation. You have to have fruit of your salvation, or you have a head knowledge of what salvation is, but not a heart knowledge. Because salvation is not come by coming to church or reading the word or saying a prayer. Salvation comes through laying your life down and, and, and living a life of repentance before him and, and not waiting till that last minute to get your heart right with God. Because you don't know the day or the hour. Are, are you listening? So we look at these virgins and they, they profess to, to be believers they, 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 they're, they're, part of the, they're part of the 10, but we know that even Judas acted like he was a disciple. And so it's important that we know where our heart is and that we would be like the wise virgins who are ready at all times for Jesus Christ to come back. And so it's, when, when, when I'm reading this, I'm like, God, where am I at in my heart with you? Is there, is there things that are not good? That are, am I not right with you? Is there, is there anything there? You know, shine your light, show me. Because it's so important that if he comes back, I'm ready. That I don't have to go, oh, wait, shoot, I forgot to do that. You know, let me, just a second. Because the thing of it is, just like it says in the word, the five wise came in and the door was shut. And he says to the other ones, they're going, Lord, Lord, let us in, let us in, let us in, let us in, Lord, let us in. He looks, I don't know you. 
Why? Because there was an intimacy that took place with the five wise. There was a relationship. There was a heart connection. And one of the uh, things, I was talking to somebody last night, and I said, one of the most important things uh, in this church that I want is not 500 people to just come and fill a seat, but I'd rather have 50 that are on fire for God, who know who he is, who have a relationship. And, and, and that we're in the last days, it says that they will heap up for themselves teachers, that they have itching ears. They want to hear what it is that they want to hear, and that the, that the truth will be offensive. The truth is offensive, when you, speak the, when you speak the truth, it's, it's going to offend some. But we can't be concerned about the offense. We have to be concerned about speaking the truth and speaking the truth in love. Amen? So turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. One of the things, um, when, I've, when people have passed away, I'm always like, oh, you know, People are like, where are they at, do you think? And I, I just had um, someone ask me a few, it was a few months ago, do you think they're just like, like up there somewhere in La La Land? Or are they actually just in the ground and then that's it? They're over? And I said, no. And well, I said, if they know Jesus Christ, then they're with him. She said, well, how do you know that? Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of the call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, when life gets tough, one of the greatest things that we can do is encourage ourselves with the fact that we are saved, that we are Christians, that all of this stuff, all these things that you can put your hands on like this, other than people, it's just going to rot and disappear. But the souls of man will live forever, forever, for all of eternity. And for me, just, just reading this and studying about the fact that, you know what, there is going to be a second coming. And are we ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you, are you praying for the people? I believe that this is still, I mean, God spoke to me that this is the year that prodigals would come home. I, are you praying for those who do not know Jesus Christ so fervently? Are you willing to fast? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to take out time to seek the heart of God on behalf of the people that you know are not showing fruit of, of being a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Remember, there has to be fruit to people's salvation. 
There has to be fruit so that we know. It's how will you know a, a, a tree? By the fruit that it bears. You, you judge the tree by its fruit. And if you look at someone's life and you can say that they say that they are a Christian, but they're not showing the fruit of a Christian, then I would say to you, I would stand in the gap for their salvation and pray for them to come to the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they would have an actual encounter, that they would have an actual relationship, that they would be transformed into the image of God. And one of the ways that you see that is how do you interact with people that are around you? How We're not to judge people. We're supposed to love people. Are you listening to me? Are we walking the walk of love? The Lord says to me, can you love the way that I love? I believe that when he says, yes, you can, that there's a grace that gets poured out, that we can love people who aren't even living in the lifestyle that we know that they should be living in, but we can love them right into the lifestyle that we know that they should be in. Who wants to be drawn to somebody who's critiquing and criticizing and fault-finding them? It says that love is what is going to draw people in. And so it's the love of God that leads people to repentance. And so are we able to do that? How are you treating your spouse? Are you putting yourself first? Because if you're putting yourself first, I can tell you, you have a bad marriage. If you put, if you, if you put, if you, come on, even if you put your spouse first, you're going to have a good marriage. If you put God first, you're going to have a great marriage. You have to put God first, then your spouse, and then you get to come in last. If you're not living that way, then you're not living how Jesus Christ says that you're supposed to live. It's, it, it is true. The word is very clear that you're supposed to lay down your life for your spouse. Men, you are supposed to love your, spouse, your, your wife the way that Jesus loved the church. What did Jesus do? Died. And when he was raised from the dead, what did he do? He exalted the church. That's how you're supposed to love your wife. It's not about what you get. What about me? What about me? What about me? When you're saying, what about me? What about me? What about me? Then you're focused on you and you haven't, de- you haven't died yet. Hus- Listen, wives, how are you supposed to love your husband? What's it say in the, in the word? In the word, it's very clear. It says that, that wives are supposed to love their husbands the way that the church loves Jesus. What do, the, what, what do we do? We lost our life. We glorify him. We lift him up. That looks like both parties submitting one to another. Both are dead. That's how you tell the fruit of a disciple. One of the ways, how do you treat your coworker? How do you treat your boss? How are you with your neighbors? How are you toward the unbeliever? How are you toward the people that are so offendable? How are you toward the president of the United States? There's one that will get people. How are you? Do you, do you just badmouth him or do you pray for him? Because the word does not say that I have a right to badmouth him. In fact, the word of God says that every office that is held, that he is the one that put those people in that place. Whether we like it or not, whether we agree with them or not, it doesn't matter. But there's, a, there's an antichrist spirit that is running rampant, and we have to stand up as the church of Jesus Christ and be unified. We don't get to have our own political agenda. 
Listen to me. We don't get to do that. Our part is to pray. Our part is to stand in the gap. Our part is to close our mouth if there's nothing positive or edifying that's going to come out. Are you listening to me? So that's how, that's what we get to do as Christians and as believers. That's what the word of God says. And so we align ourselves with what the word of God says. That means that we are likened to five wise virgins. We are likened to five wise virgins. We're carrying around our lamp. We're making sure that, that the, um, the wick is being trimmed. We're making sure that the oil is in the lamp. What is the oil? The oil is the anointing of God. The oil comes from, from um, having a relationship with God through, through, through prayer, through study of his word, through, through communing, through, through intimacy with him. So that's how you keep that fire burning. The oil just keeps running through, running through, running through. I can tell when I haven't spent time with the Lord, my mouth speaks negativity. I'm like, I, I, I see the, half, the cup half empty. I mean, you know, how, you know how some people in the natural are just really amazing people? I'm just not one of those people. Like, I need Jesus. I mean, there are people in the world that are like, they're amazing. I'm like, wow, their characters, their morals, they have values, they have everything. They're, they're, they're like amazing. I have to have Jesus. I'm like, I have to stay filled up. Otherwise, I get all up in my own self, you know? And so I can be around people. I was with Max, and he was hanging our pictures and stuff. And I'm like, I don't think I've had much time this week with the Lord. He's probably like, yeah, I know. <laughs> because we were moving, and, and it was like, I have to have that time. So you have to find your secret place. I have, a, I have a white chair that used to be in my bedroom that's now um, in the living room that I was told I can only sit in that during the day because at night it was my husband's chair. So I'm like, okay. So in the day, I get it. So it's daytime. I got my Bible. I've got my water. I've got my cup of coffee. And I just sit in that chair. And now it's, I have a beautiful view of just trees. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And so I just sit there and I'm like, okay, Lord, this is my time with you. It's not my time to study. It's not my time, you know, understand what I'm saying? I'm not studying for a message. I'm not, I'm not coming on behalf of anybody. <laughs> I'm just coming for me. I have to have that. I have to be filled up. And I realize who he is. I realize who I am. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I realize that I'm the righteousness of Christ. I realize that I have the mind of Christ. I realize that I can walk in love. I realize I am long-suffering. Turn with me to Galatians 5. This is how you know your love meter with Jesus. I love what um, Paul has to say. He says, we are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. But he said it would be better that he stayed. But he loved Jesus so much that he would have rather just been home with him. And I love this. As I'm torn between the two, I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. When you love him so much that you're like, it, you ache to be with him. And that you want what you do not to be hidden. It's like we can't cover up he sees everything that we do. I know that there's grace and all things are lawful. I understand that. But not all things are helpful. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. It says, but the works of the flesh are evident, 
which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, drunkenness, murders, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want to stop right there. I want to show you a couple of things. I was talking with um, uh, Barbara Yoder was messaging me, and she had done a study on this area and some of the strongholds that are in this area, in this region, that if we allow, you see, the only authority that the enemy has over you and I is the authority that we give him. And so we can open up ourselves to him and then we give him right, it's like you give him right place in your life. You're like, here, here's the keys. You're giving him a place in your life. And so over this area, some of the things that we have to look out for I gotta find it. Hang on. I don't know why it didn't. I know why it's not there. Okay. Is there's a very strong sense of unbelief, mental attacks, witchcraft, performance, and a strong sense of pride or self reliance or achievement. So these are things that we have to watch out for because that what happens is that when we when we connect with that, we then come into agreement with what the enemy is wanting to do over this region, and 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 we and, and our flesh is what opens it up. It says, "Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. You know, sorcery is witchcraft. Do you know what witchcraft is? Witchcraft is when you want to have control." When you want to have control, you don't realize it. That's a work of the flesh, but you're also opening up the door then to witchcraft. And that's why I always say to people, do not pray your will, pray God's will. When you're praying for this church, don't pray what you want, pray what God wants, because those are soulish prayers, and soulish prayers are actually a form of witchcraft. You, if, when you want to have control, you are partnering with sorcery. So we have to be careful. We, we're, in a, we're, we're in a new era. Remember the era of the mouth. It's, a, it's pay. It's a season. Of, we have got to watch what we're speaking. We have to, our eye gates, our ear gates, and our, and our mouth. It's like out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so what you're meditating on, that's why the Lord said, quit listening and start speaking. Quit listening and start speaking. Quit listening to what your mind is saying and speak what the truth is because the enemy wants to bring false accusations and he'll do it against your spouse. He'll do it against the people that are the closest to you because there he knows how to like get your button. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And so we want to be a house that is not divided. We want to be a house that is unified. We want to be a house that's speaking forth what the word of God is declaring over you, over me, over this house, over this region. Does that make sense? So the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified. Say crucified. We, if you are in Christ, you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
You're no longer going to live the old sin life. You're no longer going to talk like you used to talk. Everything's going to change when you become in Christ because you're going to, Romans 12, 1 and 2, you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good, that acceptable, and that perfect will of God. And so that transformation comes through, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but there's a hunger and there is a desire when you're a disciple of Jesus Christ to know who you are and who he is. And so then you get all this fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says, if we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So if we live in the spirit, then we are, we're supportive of one another's accomplishments. We're supportive of one another's victories. When we're living in the spirit, we are not conceited. We're not easily provoked because we're aligned with him. And that brings this all in perspective. And we're not going to come into agreement with the enemy. We're not going to come into agreement with the accuser. When somebody just comes at you with all these things of how horrible you are, you can, you can know that you don't have to listen to that. Say, I'm not going to listen to that because I know who I am in Christ. And right now you're listening to the accuser of the brethren. Amen? And you just break those word curses off you. That thing, stick and stones will hurt my bones, but those words will never hurt me. That's a bunch of baloney. Words have power. And you have to know that you have to speak life or death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. Amen? So think about what you're thinking about. And you know what? We can actually praise God and give a hand clap to the fact that my son, Matthew Fuller, and his team at Mudpenny got nominated and then got awarded out of 150, 115 restaurants, or was it businesses? 115 businesses were nominated in Grand Rapids for an award to be the best business. They were nominated in all five categories, and they won grand prize as the best business in Grand Rapids. That's kingdom. You should stand to your feet. That's kingdom. That's what kingdom looks like. Let me tell you how that happened. And I, I, I'll, I'll boast for him because I have watched him go from a coffee cart to a small little place in an office building of a medical place to his own place and now expanding to the next. He has not been prideful and he kept one thing, one thing he said, I will always keep my family first. And the reason why he started the business is so he could have more time with his family. He didn't never cared about how much money he was making. That's never been his thing. He will make so much money because of that. Money flows through him, it doesn't flow to him. He is not a vessel that has stopped up. I can tell you that because I can go to his house and I'm like, my gosh, you've been here for how many years? You still don't have bar stools? Like, they don't care about that. I'm, I'm being serious. And that is why God's blessing him. He brings kingdom principles. He meets with his employees and he talks to them. He cares about them. He prays with them. He, 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 it's a, he's like, I'm a Christian. I'm gonna operate this place with Christian principles. And that's the way he runs his life. And so if we run our life like that and we say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to honor. I watched, I watched, this is like Matthew day or something, but I've watched how you used to treat Rachel when you first got married. Eh. 
And I thought, wow, you're going to have to step that up a little bit. And so then we were getting a little bit better. I thought, she's not your servant, just so you know. And so I watched him going from treating her really kind of like hard and, and sometimes, honestly, like a servant, like a mom. I said, that'll be me. She's not your mom. And, and then I watched him now treat her like a queen. And I'm proud of you. And you know that's true, isn't it? We would have some, he doesn't even know, but we used to have conversations. <laughs> I knew what you were doing. And we would pray, and God's went that changes hearts. And that's how you know a disciple. It's not that they're walking in perfectionism. There is a level of hunger that I want to change, that you want to change. You want to be transformed. You want to be better. I want to be better. I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. I want to be better. I've made enough mistakes. I know I've said things. I know I've done things. I want to be better. And so there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We all have the opportunity to allow God to transform our thinking. It's a choice that we get to make. It says, choose this day whom you will serve. It says to choose. We get to choose. I get to choose that I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. I get to choose that I'm going to abide in his word. I get to choose that I'm my my right thinking. I get to make these choices. And he gives me the free will to do it. Can we give God praise, please? When there is unity between our head and our heart, then what we speak will bring forth great power. When there's unity between our head and our heart, that's when you're going to see a manifestation of God's word operate in your life. Our thought life is so important because our thoughts are not to limit us, they're to launch us. Our thoughts should not limit they should launch. And so when we're, when we're in a, an agreement with what God is speaking, then we will be launched into our destinies. We'll be launched into what God has for us. We'll be launched into the kingdom. We'll be launched into the goodness of God. We, God will bring prodigals across your path because he can trust you. He can trust that you will speak forth what you... Uh, look, if some of you don't have the opportunity to... I don't care about the media. If, if some of you never have the opportunity to speak into the life of an unbeliever or to somebody who's not showing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life, maybe you should ask God what you need to do to get yourself to a place where he can trust you. Because I want to be trusted by God. I want to have opportunities that he knows that if somebody walks by me and and they're limping, I can trust her that she's going to say, can I pray for you? He's going to trust me with people whose souls need healing and whose souls need restoration. And I love that. It's one of my favorite things is is to bring healing into people's lives, to break off shame, you know, to break off, you know, your, your, your past doesn't define you. Amen. It does not define you. He's the one that defines you. Let's get into a place where we fear God. Where the fear of God, is, it's, 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 it's an awe. It's not I'm afraid to be around him. I fear God so much that I would rather speak what he tells me to speak and, and, and be good, right with him than worried about whether or not you like me. Whew. 
which is probably, I mean, we'd probably have a bigger church if I knew how to do that. I don't care about doing that. I just want to, I want want you guys to mature and to grow and to be trustworthy, that you can be trusted by God. I want to be trusted by God. I want to fear God. I want to be in awe of God. And that happens as I daily choose to lay down my life. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet if you would. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I was thinking about how I, I honestly believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back in my lifetime. And that puts a fear in me. Now I'm like, oh, I've got some stuff. I need to make sure I'm, I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? If he comes today... Are you ready? Are you in a place where you can confidently say, I know him, and more importantly, he knows me? Are you known by God? Do you just know his acts, or do you know his works, his ways? Moses knew the ways of God. Do you want to know the difference between acts and ways? Acts are what he does. Ways are who he is. It's a personality. It's like I know all of the little um, idiosyncrasies, secrecies that, syncrasies that my husband does. I know his ways. I don't just know his works. That's how I know you have an intimacy. Do you know God personally? I want to give you an opportunity to say that today you're making a commitment that you want to be one of those, it's going to happen. Jesus is real. Hell is real. Heaven is real. And I want to give you an opportunity that if you don't know that you're right with God, to come forward. I believe that this is a serious time. And I believe that we need to be walking and not caring about the fear of man. It doesn't matter. Who cares? But they're not going to save you. They're not going to save you. So if Rachel, you come up on the keyboard, please. I just want to give an opportunity for anyone that you said, I need to get right, my heart right with God. He's not mad at you, first of all. He loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know his ways, not just his acts. He wants to draw you in to intimacy with him. That you would show forth fruit of a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And that you desire to change. That you desire to be transformed. You desire to be more like him. That you're willing to lay down your life and pick up his. Because it's so much better. Our life is hidden in Christ. So I want to give you an opportunity as Rachel sings.
for Jesus. Amen. Me too. Yeah. Father, I pray that we would just continue to run hard after you, that you're drawing closer to us as we're drawing closer to you. We love you. We honor you. We adore you. And we thank you for your presence in our life. Let the fruit of the Holy Spirit be known 
may it operate in and through us. And may the works of the flesh be brought to naught. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about the Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.